This podcast is brought to you from Grantwood AEA, an educational service agency that supports school districts in eastern Iowa with a focus on equity, excellence, and efficiency in education for all children. Welcome to episode 56 of the EdTech Takeout, the podcast that serves up bite-sized technology tips for teachers. My name is Jonathan Wiley. This is Mindy Carney. Hello. Hey, Mindy. Happy February. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> I feel like maybe we should have a, a little explanation for why we've not been podcasting for a while, but yeah. I'm just going to say polar vortex. Oh, my gosh. And if you've watched the news recently, <laughs> yeah, we had all kinds of things. We were in the things. middle of it, yes. We had some things scheduled that had to get cancelled and rearranged and delayed and all kinds of stuff, but yep. polar vortex. Polar vortex. It was a crazy two weeks, for sure. Yeah. 21 inches of snow this month. And Is that right? Yeah. 21 inches of snow, negative 45 wind chill. And just awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just stuck at home for two weeks straight with my kids. God. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of quality family time spent over the last Mm -hmm. couple of weeks. Yeah, but we're going to pick up where we left off. And we've got like a special treat for people this month. We do. Yes, we're doing a... Do you want to explain? Yeah, sure. So um, Digital Learning Day is during the month of February. It's actually February 28th, but our team has decided to celebrate and maybe create, I don't know, Digital Learning Month. So each one of the four weeks of February, we're going to be highlighting a different C from the four C's. And uh, Wiley and I have decided to challenge ourselves and do a mini podcast of sorts for each one of those C's to be released once each week of February. How is yeah, that description? I know. Good? Yeah, I think it's great. Okay. I mean, we used I used to joke about, you know... Next week, and then you were like, no, not next week. But really, <laughs> no. it will be next week Next this week, time. it will be. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So um, a couple of things about Digital Learning Day. There is actually an official, um, I don't know, Twitter handle to follow, which is at d- official DL Day. And there is a hashtag DL Day. And then we are also going to hashtag our stuff with DLGWAA. And normally we don't use that hashtag, but we are going to use it this month. So if you're interested in following along with all of the good stuff we're going to be sharing, you can follow that hashtag or you can follow us at DLGWAA. So lots of good stuff hopefully coming from the team. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Blog posts, <laughs> social media posts, uh, lots of fun things we're going to share online. Mm-hmm. We're um, going to have teachers take over our Instagram account. Yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah, something different. We haven't done that before. Each so. week for one of the four C's. Right. Yep. But um, we do have some news and follow-up to take care of because we missed it. Yeah, so let's <laughs> catch up on some okay. things that we should have done the last time we were podcasting. Yeah, so um, for Seesaw, they had um, a couple updates that came out January 23rd, which we were going to be recording these um, news and follow-up like the day before that. So I technically couldn't share it, but now I can. Um, So these are specifically for Seesaw um, users that use Seesaw for skills or Seesaw skills. So schools or... um, those that have the Seesaw Plus account. So only good for them, but they um, now have a skills rating that goes up to six and you can choose um, how you'd like to rate your skills on that scale, which is nice. Um, Also, there is a color scheme that you can choose. So one of the ways that this works 
if you're not familiar with how skills works in Seesaw, is that um, it's color coded. So depending on what rating you've given each one of the skills, it changes the color. Well, now you can choose your color scheme, um, which I suppose some people would be really excited about. And uh, you can also add skills directly from the share prompt. So mm-hmm. before, if you were using creating activities in Seesaw, you had to like go into the activity and tag different skills. Well, now you can do it directly from the share prompt, which makes it much quicker, less clicks. Um, also, there's a skill rating in the approval queue, which is nice. So you don't have to go back and tag those skills. It's all in the approval queue. Once again, just fewer clicks. So they've, first of all, are really, I think, catering to those people who are paying for Seesaw. Yeah. And, um, but really trying to find some workflow stuff for those power users of Seesaw to, you know, just make it quicker, workflow better. So um, that came out January 23rd. If you're not seeing those things, you probably need to update your app. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what I like about, I think the things that Seesaw does is they don't just put things out there because they think they're good. It's usually because they've had feedback from yeah. teachers and ambassadors like yourself Absolutely. saying, hey, we should do something like this and take yes. this a step further. So yeah. it's genuinely useful stuff. Yes, absolutely. Speaking of genuinely useful, I came across this. I thought this was exciting. I thought I'd share it out. Is that you can now download tour creator experiences and use those in Google Expeditions. Yeah. So something you create, you create a 360 tour or something on Google Tour Builder and you log into... Tour creator, not tour builder. Thank you, tour creator. And you log into the Google Expeditions app with your Google account that you created that on. And you're over in the menu, you'll see an option to um, download those tour creator experiences. Mm -hmm. It only works on Android right now, but um, I'm guessing it's going to come to iOS pretty soon because... Things in the past, like the annotations and stuff, came to Android first, right. and then they came to iOS later. So, hey, look out for that. And if you've got Android devices for your Google Expeditions, think about you know creating some 360 tours that you can personalize that experience and mm-hmm. have some more local things yeah. um, to show kids. I think people have been looking for this, so it's exciting that... Um, there's going to be more of a... Because Google Expedition so much is about the consumption of things, where Tour Creator, I think, is where, especially your students and stuff, I think about them creating their own tours and then being able to share those um, tours with their classmates in a more immersive situation with Google Expedition. So... Yeah, I, and like I know. What, I know. Whenever we do these expeditions, like workshops for teachers and things, they always ask, "Hey, can we create our own right. ones of these?" Like, and yeah, sort of. Yeah, but now <laughs> they can. Yeah. yeah right. All right. Um, ooh, this one. Let's talk about this because. Uh-huh. Okay, so I was gonna ask you because you sent me a tweet about this, and I didn't look at it too carefully. But so everyone's been up in arms about Remind. Hmm. And so this was the original story was that Remind was going to no longer text Verizon users. So if teachers were using Remind to give notifications to parents, whatever, it would not work with Verizon users. They would have to use the notifications from the app. Because Verizon were starting to charge charge for those text messages. Right. And they were charge lo- for like, I feel like, do they, no matter what, do they charge for Remind to use a service like that, but their f- fees were going to be much higher or something like that? Because then I thought I read something like Remind's like, just so you know, it's not free for us to, yeah. you know, run Remind. Yeah. Um, 
And so all the teachers in the world came running to Twitter and social media <laughs> and totally were all over this. And then Verizon was like, okay, hold on a second. Let's see if we can get this worked out. But then it never got put in writing. Is it in writing yet? It is, is in writing. Okay, it's in writing now. It's official now. Okay. So remind of word things out with Verizon. But not in Canada. Correct. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I believe it's Rogers Telecom. Sure. Um, and they have the same type of scenario they have with Verizon right now. Uh -huh. So um, I guess the battle continues. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah? But I did even see some of um, our teachers that I'm friends with on Facebook just because I know them were kind of really concerned about it. I'm like, oh, hold on a second. So everybody calm down. Mm -hmm. It's going to be fixed. It's all fixed and ready to go here in the United States with Verizon. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Whew. Uh, so let's talk about something else that kind of uh, got a little reprieve, and that Ooh, was okay. Google Sites. Oh, okay. Because I believe this was the year that Google Sites, the classic Google classic Sites, versions, yes. were getting shut down. Okay. And Google have said, you know what? Um, we've been getting some feedback that says... Not all the things you want are in the new Google right. Sites yet. So sure. some people were still clinging on to the classic Google Sites for some mm -hmm. of the features, like the templates and stuff. Sure. Um, so they are moving the closing date for the classic Google Sites to the end of 2021. Oh, thank goodness. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's good and bad. I th yeah. I, in some ways, I think it was good to tell people look you really have to move off that old it's google really site time. it's really time, it's time. <laughs> and by the way they're closing them down this year and yeah. you i mean you could still say that but you would be technically lying to people because right. they've got another couple of years now but yeah um google have got a blog post out where they're saying oh, okay. um you know those features that you've requested a lot in the old sites we are going to bring them to the new sites and here's a list of the things that we're looking at to give you more customization to give you more options to give mm -hmm. you more choices um so what are some of those things anything good so things like new site themes so your site can match your company look feel and brand improve eh, okay. text controls you get a greater choice of fonts colors so like styles that. okay Yes. Um, more templates to choose from because mm -hmm. really you've only got like maybe yeah. five or six templates and then right. different colors on the same templates. Yeah. Um, Everybody's new, site looks the same. <laughs> yes. <laughs> new page elements like table of contents or oh. image carousels and, you know, okay. just things like that modern web builders have, I think. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's still some things about the new Google Sites I don't love. Some of it's like with images too, so I'll be interested to see what that looks like. Like pulling in images, I feel like is kind of yucking the new Google sites. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so last thing on the list, I want okay. to run. I wanted to run this by you. Oh, okay. There's a spell check button in I Google know. Docs now. Is that weird? It's. I mean, why wasn't it there to begin with? I mean, don't you agree? It was kind of there under like tools yeah. and spelling and yeah, spell right. check, and it was there. But I almost think it's like when when there's a spelling error in Google Docs, it underlines it, just it in shows red. Up. And then people right-click on it and they choose the right spelling. I yeah. mean, do we need... I, I don't know. Maybe people know. have been crying out for a spell check button. But I, I thought know. that was kind of a weird thing. That is, I know of all the things. I know. Yeah. I mean, either. Why didn't you have it to begin with? Or why is it... I don't know. I don't know. I saw people were tweeting about it. I'm like, wow, is this newsworthy? Is this tweet-worthy? Really? <laughs> Some people are really excited by it. Some are. So if you Me? haven't found it, it's over by the printer icon in the right. top left-hand corner. 
I will say, though, that I finally got um, the new yellow button in Google Slides last week. It was on Friday, Thursday. The share buttons are changing. The new share button, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Do you have the green button in Sheets? Oh, I don't know. I haven't been into Sheets. But I'm assuming yes, right? I got the same one in Slides, yes. But I have not been into Sheets. Let's see. There, can you hear my deal? <laughs> that was the sound effects of the new 2018 MacBook oh, Pro keyboard. Oh, man, I tell you, it's so loud. Okay. Sheets, go to Google Sheets. Oh, mine's green. I'm sure it is. Why wouldn't it be? Mm-hmm. There it is, green button. Yep, I have it too. Yay. All is right with the world again. All is right with the world. Yeah. Yeah, it does look a little bit different. I was trying to think. I thought I saw something else. That I was like, oh, I haven't seen that before, but I don't remember what it was. Hmm. All right. Anyway, yep, new spell check. Yippee! All right, so up next, main course is all about communication. So our first C we're going to highlight is communication this week. And just, I mean, this morning and last Friday, you and I wrote a blog post about communication. So we've really, really zoned in on communication. Yeah. Yeah. We could link to those blog posts in the show notes. Nothing like a little self-promotion. Yeah, that's okay now and again. Absolutely. So, you know, some of the things that we talked about, you and I kind of both, I think, went in different directions. You talked a little bit more about student communication, and I was focusing a little bit more on teacher communication. So Mm -hmm. um, I think what's super important, and once again, this is kind of like – you can just read the blog post and I could just stop talking. But I think it's super, super important for teachers to be communicating with their parents things that are going on in the classroom. Yes. And um, I don't know that I necessarily realized how important it was when I was in the classroom until I wasn't in the classroom. But I finally had a student that was in school. And I talk so much about Seesaw and um, how amazing it is that you can kind of take a look into the kids' classrooms. But I think what's so neat about Seesaw, and you could do this with any tool, so if you're not a Seesaw user, that's fine. But highlighting what your students are doing in the classroom, something beyond just the newsletter on Mm -hmm. Friday afternoons. Mm -hmm. Um, But hearing my when he was a kindergartner, kind of, you know, explaining how he figured out a math problem or um, him reading a book with his teacher, you know, at the reading table and stuff is such a more powerful way of communicating what is happening in your classroom than just that Friday newsletter. So even if you're not using Seesaw, um, there are so many other great ways to kind of be sharing you know, what your students are doing. We are seeing a huge influx, I think, of um, classroom Instagram accounts and um, getting some insight of what's going on there. And you know what? Our parents are on Instagram and they're on Facebook. And it's really important, I think, to go where your parents are at. So I feel like we're getting we're getting away a little bit from checking our email so much because I don't know. It's quicker, right? Yeah. It's a quicker glimpse to on social media because you can just thumb through that stuff. So um, I think uh, I have, oh, maybe I didn't put it in here, but a link to just some ways to use Instagram with your students in your classroom. And um, I think it's just pictures are a really powerful way to share what's going on. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I know I've, um, this is 
changing the conversation slightly, but yeah. um, I read a book a few years ago by um, Joe Sanfilippo, and yeah. you've probably seen him at different places yes. and yeah. do things, but that, that's one of his big things is telling your school story. And he does mm -hmm. it more like from an administrator's perspective, right. and yeah. he wants like superintendents and principals to be shouting from the rooftops about all the great things they're doing. Right. But that, I think, is something that you have to do in conjunction with your teachers, mm -hmm. because... Uh, busy as principals and superintendents are they can't always get out and see classrooms and things right. like that but if they are hearing and talking to their teachers and things about the stuff they're going on they may think oh I should go down and see that and they yeah, can right. help push and promote that story um, he has a book called The Power of Branding Telling Your School Story which is definitely one worth uh, taking a look at sometime mm -hmm. even if you're a teacher because it gives lots of good ideas like you said about using social media right. and things like that and he talks about um, putting an image on everything you put on right. social media because mm -hmm. when you get to things like Twitter and stuff like that, you're just spinning you just, up. Yeah, through you just this, scroll, right? It's like a roulette wheel. You're just going up and up yep. and up and occasionally yep. you'll see something that will pop out and it's usually some kind of image or a graphic mm -hmm. and that will make you stop and look yeah. and see what that is. So, yeah. yeah, take a look at that book and if you're interested in exploring more of that school story stuff. Yeah, and you know, you said that too and this was one of the things uh, that we had on our list anyway, but I've been seeing people using the Headliner app a lot more on Twitter. Have you yeah, been noticing this? I have, yeah. Um, and I think what's eye-casting, and if we've mentioned Headliner before, so um, if I sound like a broken record, I apologize. But so what's neat about Headliner is you take an image and then you just add voice to it. And so what catches your eye, though, I think, um, let's say on Twitter, is is the, you can see the voice, what do you call those? The volume, you know what I mean? The audio wavelengths. Yeah, the audio, thank yeah. you. The audio wavelengths going. And so that's, I think, what catches my eye always about it because it's something a little bit different. I'm like, oh, I'm going to stop and listen to this. Yeah. And it's a really nice way, I think, for schools to share because I think there are is still always some concern about, you know, student pictures and student faces on social media. But it's a nice way for you to share what your students are doing using their voice without having to put a picture of them online or something like that. And there's nothing better than hearing student voices. Yeah, I agree. So um, if you haven't looked at Headliner, I think that's a good one to maybe add to your repertoire of stuff if you're, you know, sharing about your school story. Yeah. And so one of the other things, I mean, like you talked about at the beginning, that uh, we kind of came at this from two different perspectives. Because right. mm -hmm. originally we were going to write this one blog post together, yeah. but then it just turned into two. But right. The student side of thing is is important too. When you're trying to think mm -hmm. about, you know, getting students to communicate and and what that looks like, and some of the ahas I had when I started to think more about this was things that people already know, I'm sure, but things like how, how closely this is tied to things like digital citizenship, Absolutely. because the tools and things that kids are using to communicate today mm -hmm. are different from the tools that you and I used right. when we were in school, for sure. Which was nothing, right? Yeah. It was pen and paper. Yeah, we were passing notes was to passing each other. We passing notes and folding them up like a football. That's what I was doing. Oh, I was not doing that. I'm sure not. We didn't... You well, want to do that? I'll like show a, you later. Like a rugby ball? A rugby... Oh, sure. Yeah. I'll show you how to do it after okay. after the podcast. Okay. Or you're calling people up on the phone or stuff like that. But, we, you know, social media didn't exist back right. then. YouTube, Snapchat, all that stuff. So... We need to think and uh, familiarize ourselves as teachers with yeah. those platforms so that we can help students communicate effectively and properly on those types of platforms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's, like you said, super important for us to be working on those things and talking about in a safe place in our classroom. And, um, 
you know, to have those conversations online with one another and still, you know, keep a pretty close eye on it because it's, it allows our students, I think, to make mistakes within a safe place and teaching them about the correct way to, you know, interact online hopefully leads to stronger skills as adults. So um, just recently, um, Lynn Clymer, actually through, you know, Heather Callahan, came across some um, feedback stems that she found on the Seesaw site, which they wouldn't necessarily have to be for Seesaw, but um, great ways for students to communicate online as far as um, if I'm commenting on someone else's work, I should try and use one of these stems first. I think it's really important for students to learn how to disagree with someone online or to ask questions um, about their thinking without necessarily like, I don't know, throwing like dodgeballs at their face, you know, while they're commenting and how important that is uh, to reread your work and make sure that it comes across the way that, that you want it to. Which once again leads back to your um, conversation about some digital citizenship things, and we really need to be able to have those conversations with our students because eventually they do. Um, you know, they're in the room at nine o'clock at night and they're scrolling through social media, and we just want to make sure that our voice is in the back of their back of their head. So um, I think we'll link those into the show notes too. And you know, some of those feedback stems I think that are there are you know, probably a K-6 more, um, but there are other feedback stems out there to kind of help your students. And I actually have some links to those I can add in there too, um, even for your older students, because I think it's great to make that feedback not personal and more about the idea than it is about the person. Yeah, it reminded me of like um, when you're teaching kids about leaving good comments on like a blog post or something like that because you know it's things like this was interesting to me because Mm -hmm. and they're not just writing great job awesome right i like this which goes for us as teachers too right like how often do we just say to our students great job or put a star on the top of a paper it's really about authentic feedback i Um, really liked your post because what do you think about this can you tell me more about i wish i understood why Mm -hmm. and you know those give you options to have a civil discourse right. around a, a topic right and keep keep things civil yeah so um like i said those are seesaw things but you know um padlet still has the option you know for kids to comment back and forth on each other's stuff you know flipgrid has the capability for us to communicate back and forth um you and i talked a little bit about synth yeah I'm trying to did. figure that out too um because they've had some updates recently it seems Right. You looked into those a little bit. Yeah, they've had some some recent updates, things like the ability to um, upload your own audio. So if you don't want to record it straight there in the app, Mm -hmm. you can do that. You can um, add background images to profiles, add background images to podcasts. They've made discovery a little bit easier, but they're also working on um, the ability for students to create their own podcasts, uh, which was something they couldn't do very easily before but mm-hmm. they sign up for your class podcast and then once you're in the class podcast with the teacher um kids can create their own podcasts and yeah did you happen to read i know you're um, looking at synth when i was today just to kind of refresh our memories but um about how a school used it for their um student council elections and how each student who was running for like um, student body president created their own podcast and then they shared those out through Google Classroom so everybody could listen to everybody else's podcast. I did not see that. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it right? is. Yeah. Yeah. But the cool thing about Synth is that you can reply back just with voice too. Yep. 
And I think we're finding, too, although Flipgrid is a great tool for communication, that we're hearing from teachers that kids don't love to be on video. So synth is kind of a ulterior, ulterior? Alternative. Alternative. <laughs> What's my word? Alternative. Yeah. Alternative way to kind of share your ideas without being on video. Yeah, and I'd say synth or, or anchor as well. Or could anchor, fit in yep. with that. Yeah. Um, I did notice this, and maybe we talked about this, but they did change their terms of service recently. Oh, they You oh know gosh, how I love a good term of service. Yes, I, well, I'm glad you do because I don't, so. Well, because there was a bit of pushback when they first came out with what the wording was around some of their terms of service in terms of it suggested that they owned the oh, content. Oh, this is Anchor. Yes. Yes, okay, yeah. And now they've changed it so that it's a little clearer and it's right. like you own the content, but mm-hmm. we are hosting your content and you right. agree to us hosting it. So mm-hmm. right. um, they said, well, we didn't want to confu- cause any confusion around that. And I don't know how genuine that was or not, but <laughs> I think Anchor's a more realistic option again now if you haven't looked at that for a while they've had a lot of great updates and it works easily on chromebook ipad web whatever you want to use right yeah um so recently this is i suppose a 90 degree turn on uh, what we've been talking about but recently gina and i have been doing some work around howdy's instructional strategies Mm. oh boy yes and how and what tools work best with some of those instructional strategies anyway Um, What I was thinking about this morning was um, how there are so many outside factors of how um, how students come to school that we can't necessarily um, change. So there's so much um, weighing upon what we do as teachers and um, what students are doing in our classrooms, but how much there is outside of the classrooms, too which made me think of a different blog post that I had read about. Um, and I'm going to look up this girl's name real quick. Marie um, Ven- Venturino. I think Let's go name. with that. Okay, or Mary. I'm not sure. Murderer name. I'm sorry. Um, anyway, I came across a blog post from her about something she was doing with her students um, for them to share with her, um, you know, how they were feeling as they came in every morning. So she used Google Forms, um, and every day the kids would come in. I think she was a high school teacher. Every day they would come in and fill out the same form, and it might be like, how you feeling today? Um, and it was always on a scale of one to five, just a really quick check-in. And I think it's an easy way for students to kind of communicate what's going on outside of school hours because those things affect them so much. And then what she was doing was um, attaching that to a Google Sheet that had conditional formatting on it so if the student said hey yeah my morning was a one um, there was a spot for them to tell why if they wanted to Um, but the in the sheet then the one would show up as red with the conditional formatting so she could very quickly look through that form and be like oh I've got three kids on red today I need to see who those kids are Um, which allowed her then to to check in with those students or maybe make sure she's had some face-to-face time with them, um, which is maybe a little bit of a different twist on the communication thing, but also so important to our students um, that they feel like they're being seen and heard. Um, and so I, I thought that was kind of an interesting twist on communication today mm-hmm. um, that I wanted to bring out. And I am going to, I linked that um, blog post into the show notes too, but just something to think about, you know, how are you allowing your students to communicate with you about what's going on in their lives? Yeah, absolutely. And I I was thinking this morning as well about 
that twist on communication that I mean, I th- I'm sure I thought of this before, but I think a lot of the communication tools that we think about or go-to tools are, are things like um, Skype and video yeah, conferencing sure. type things right. and Flipgrid. And those are right. definitely very strong communication tools. But I think a lot of the tools that we associate with creativity are also communication tools mm-hmm. because when we're creating something, we're creating something with a purpose, with the intent of telling a story or spreading a message or, you know, sharing our thinking on something. Yeah. So if you're thinking about what communication tools can I use, think a little bit broader, a little bit wider, and then and think about, you know, things you can create for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And having using creativity tools that allow you to share them out with some ease without... Like, oh, I have to download it. Yes. You know, so making sure it's got a couple of those different things built in, which is nice, too. Yeah. So lots lots of great ways to, you know, have communication skills um, reinforced with your students. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, think about different ways that you can have your students communicating clearly, communicating Mm -hmm. effectively, communicating in a way that promotes civil discourse and all, all those good hallmarks of what good communication looks like. Um, because they can use all these tools and things anyway. I mean, you can teach them how to use those tools, but that's not necessarily going to teach them how to communicate any better right. if you don't help scaffold that with things like those sentence stems mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. that you had on there too. Yeah, because it's about those. Those are, I hate that we call those soft skills yes. because they're life skills, right? They're the most, actually, probably our strongest skills. Not I hate. Why do we call them soft skills? I don't know. There must Who be a reason that? for that. Someone did. Well, I... I think it's I because I disagree with you. Yes. Sir, ma'am. Sure. Those are not soft skills, those are our life skills. Yes. Yeah. All right, up for my favorite part of the show, even though Wiley is just springing this on me, we weren't going to do tech nuggets and he's like, "Oh, I got one tech nugget. Do you want to do one tech nugget?" People love the tech nuggets. Okay. I got one tech nugget too. I got one. Okay, well, since you're super excited about yours, I'll let you go last as the finale. How's that sound? I feel the pressure. Okay, good. I like it that way. So um, a couple weeks ago, we were meeting with one of our math consultants, Janet Green. And Janet actually shared with us um, this website called Which One Doesn't Belong? And I feel like this nugget goes along well with our communication um, podcast because there's like this whole great like idea around this which one doesn't belong um, conversations in classrooms and so this website um, pulls up different images that are cut out into four different sections within the image and there's um, this great idea around having classroom discussions and, and choosing which one of the squares doesn't belong. And each one of the squares doesn't belong for a different reason. Mm-hmm. And it's really about the teacher stepping away and allowing students to have the conversations with one another um, instead of it being teacher directed. And they're really, it doesn't have to be part of a lesson. She talked about um, just doing like, it for 10 minutes before the kids go out for recess if they're elementary students or using it as a classroom starter um, with older students. And I really thought this was interesting because just as a team, we kind of sat down and did some of these. And it's just kind of interesting. It's kind of a fun way to um, even, you know, work on some community skills and listening to one another. And 
Um, and the hard thing about, I think, the which one doesn't belong is coming up with those on your own. And this website does it for you. So it's wodb.ca, which we will link, obviously, into the show notes. But you should really go and take a look at that and see if there's um, a way that you can just do some quick, thought-provoking puzzles for your students. Yeah, I enjoyed doing those just when Janet was doing it with us. It's a nice little brain teaser. It could be a nice kind of start the day sort of thing. You know, you could do that. Oh, and I will say one of her strategies behind that was um, that students don't raise their hand when they have an idea ready. Mm -hmm. They instead put a fist to chest. And then on their fist, when they've come up with one idea of something that doesn't belong, they would on their chest just put up like a thumb. And they can sit there so that you allow lots of time for kids to think. They're not being distracted by all the other kids raising their hand. Um, But on their fist, they can show how many different ideas they have around which one doesn't belong. And that that was the best part about a lot of those, that there was different interpretations. She'd say, Mindy, what did you see? Jonathan, Mm -hmm. what did you see? And Amber, what did you see? And we all had different answers for it. But um, All right. Okay. (laughs) W-O-D-B.ca. It yeah, sounds you like know a, me. a radio station or something. <laughs> Coming at you live, WDB. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, so well, what do you got? Don't build it up like oh, that, okay. Mindy. <laughs> so I came across an app the other day. Okay. I was I don't do this very often, but I was just like browsing in the app store. Ooh. And they have this new um, kind of like today section at the front, you know, okay. where they have these little stories and kind of blog posts about yeah. things that are going on in the app store. Yeah. And so I came across this app called Leo augmented reality video okay and i like a good ar or vr app and i Mm -hmm. think this could be one of those okay because it lets you make augmented reality videos or kind of like mixed reality videos you know where you are in the frame with a dragon or a dinosaur or a Mm -hmm. spaceship or Mm -hmm. something i think and I know this is maybe based more towards the creativity side of things. And we did communication today. But you're communicating yeah. a story like we talked about. How yeah. these communicating yeah. and creative apps can I cross over. But um, it's a free app. And it's got lots of built-in um, augmented reality experiences that you could have kids do. And you're not going to maybe create your whole video on there. But right. you could film like a scene of something and then you know piece it together in iMovie with other scenes and, and sure. make better videos so if you are thinking about you know adding some augmented reality you know it's kind of a step aside from things like green screen where you're changing the background and like is this a green screen sort of thing like what's going on here yeah so it's kind of like that but um it just uh adds different uh, objects uh, on the screen there so it's a fun thing to play with yeah good one there you go all right glad we did tech nuggets for you today before we go, quick shout out to Kelly Warrington, who mentioned this on Twitter as okay. a podcast that teachers should listen to. Oh, thanks. That's nice. Yeah. She said the podcast is really good. And she got her share of nuggets to use in her classroom. Oh, very nice. So, Thank you, Kelly. I expect more of those nuggets were mine than yours. But, <laughs> yeah, you know. I probably. I wouldn't be surprised at all. You never know. No. So I am at Team Carney on Twitter, and Jonathan is at Jonathan Wiley. Our team account is at DLGWAA, and you can use our hashtag EdTechTakeout to tag the show. If you prefer, you can send us an email to podcast at GWAA.org. And keep an eye on social media. We will be back in a week. Mm-hmm. Next week. So until next time. This has been the EdTech Takeout. We hope it hit the spot. 
For more information on today's episode, please visit dlgwaea.org slash podcast.